Welcome to Tiger Resilience podcast series. With over 25 years experience directing addiction programs, these series are designed for anyone who is struggling with a loved one dealing with addiction. Through these programs, you will gain insight, awareness, and vision into all things about addiction. Here is where addiction education will assist you in reaching your human potential. Hello and welcome to Tiger Resilience Podcast. My name is Bernie. I'm the host of these series and we are so grateful that you take a moment out of your busy life and schedule to sit down and listen to our podcast or maybe you're actually walking or running or even possibly in the car listening to this. But we greatly appreciate the effort of listening in on this and we truly do know that you can gain some insight from our program as we have a multitude of different topics as we discuss addiction issues and families. So uh, going off of last week's show, today we're going to talk about family communication and addiction because in my almost 30 years experience as a clinician, one of the greatest challenges has always been the communication or lack thereof between family members, each other, and as family members and the loved ones struggling with addiction. So I want to kind of talk about some points about some things that can help solidify and build the family because our focus again here at Tiger Resilience in our opioid educational program and our coaching mentoring services is to solidify the family, to create that unit again, to have that balance within the family so that they can thrive and at that point they can be the influence to help the individual struggling with addiction. So. So here are some of the talking points I'm going to have, and I may stop and give a little bit of history from my experiences as well, working as a clinician. So the very first thing is you have to remember to be kind. We're all human beings. And the individual that is struggling with an addiction is a human being. Addiction is a disease. It's a disorder. It is not the personality. It is not the person, though it seems like they've been possessed by this. Please know that addiction is not the individual's core self value system. It is their behaviors based on the chemical changes made up. And we'll have those discussions later on uh, in future podcasts about more about addiction and that brain chemistry process. So these individuals are struggling. And I can share with, again, my almost 30 years experience as a clinician that anybody who's crossed over the threshold of dependence into addiction, they're not having any fun anymore. And what they're doing is just to, they want to stop the pain. And that's usually what they're at, usually at that level. So going forward, always remember, be kind. Remember to just accept this person right now as they are and to be kind. It's the first gracious thing that we can all do to each other in our ability to communicate with each other is just to be kind, show a kindness in a sense too. Um, the next step too is that is the very most, the, the big one really that's important is that you have to educate yourself about what's going on. And that's again, the core uh, reason of Tiger Resilience Opioid Addiction Educational Program itself specifically was designed so we can teach and educate family members and friends of a loved one who is struggling with addiction so that they can understand the internal basics of addiction. And it's a little bit more than just an addiction 101, and it's not a complicated program. It's very practical. It's a, it's approached with a pragmatic approach to make sure that it makes all of the content understandable. So you'll have an understanding of exactly what's going on with your loved ones. So 
the more you can educate yourself with the addiction, the better that you can have a communication with this person because you'll have a different understanding. And I can guarantee you, if you do not know anything about addiction and you were to go through our opioid educational program, you will absolutely come out of that knowing that, okay, I get this now. I, I'm, I see this from a different light. I can see this from a paradigm, a different paradigm, a, a view of how I saw this person prior is different now because I understand more about what's going on with this. Some of the biological pieces to it, the social uh, environmental pieces that go along with it too. So to educate yourself about addiction is to understand it so that you can listen to understand and know what's going on with them, you know, and it's a very important part because there's so many families that I've worked with over the years that just said that addiction was just a choice. It was something that was a character defect. It was a moral failure. You know, they did this because it was something that they just felt that they were selfish and wanted to do on their own, you know, and there's peppering some of those points in are absolutely, there are some truths to that. But the absolute fact is that again, as I mentioned before, when they get to this stage in their journey, addiction, they are not having any fun. So I, I highly encourage everyone, please educate yourself about what is going on. You don't need to be an addiction specialist. You just need to understand. And again, it, it was the reason that kind of springboarded our program for opioid educational uh, self-serve online program was so that individuals can learn what is going on with, with my loved one so I can have a better understanding. The next point is we is getting past resentments. <clears throat> now this can be hard for some family members, but and it's acceptable because that's just part of uh, the nature of change in life. So there is a lot of different situations that happen. There could be issues where there was theft involved. There could have been damage involved. There's definitely emotional damage involved. Uh, there could be physical damage, obviously. There, there could be legal implications that were brought in because the law was involved with this because of uh, illicit activities. There's a lot of factors, but you, you will not be able to get go forward on the journey in communication if you are not able to get past resentments. You know, I refer to this as you need to build the bridge and you need to get over it. And that doesn't mean that it's just a carte blanche forgiveness and forgetfulness. But remember, we're, we're living in a present situation and looking towards the future. You know, you, you drive your car, you're staring out the windshield because that's where you're driving down the highway. If you were to just stare at your rear view mirror as you're flying down a highway at 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, you're going to have a lot of challenges. Um, my, my guess is that it probably won't end well. And, you know, the metaphor to that, of course, is that, that that windshield represents your future. That's where you're going. And that rear view mirror, that's your past. You're not going there. It's okay to check it out and, you know, remember that it's there, but it's not the direction you're heading in. So getting past resentments is a really big thing, and I, and I can't implore that one enough because it's something that families really need to discuss first with themselves before they talk to the loved one and understand that these are things we just have to get past. It's, it's, a, current, it's a new day, a new start. I think everyone deserves that, that next chance in life, especially when they're able and willing to do that too. So is please remember to get past resentments. Talk about that with your family members first before you bring anything up to a loved one because there's nothing that can destroy the communication uh, uh, pipeline quicker than having some kind of a statement about a resentment of something that somebody did in the past because remember, things we do in our past, we can't control what happened. 
we can only control what we can do today. And so things that are thrown out to an individual who's already struggling, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, you know, and could even be environmentally depending on their situation. You know, the worst thing in the world is to, it's like kicking a dog that's down in a sense. You, you want to make sure that you are thoughtful with this. Again, the first part of our discussion here was be kind, but please get past the resentments. In other words, another part is to, carefully choose your words be very thoughtful on how you're doing what you're doing and how you're communicating you know coming out with a statement such as like oh i can't believe you're a junkie you know uh when are you just going to get clean things like this absolutely will break down that communication pipeline it'll create the wall and makes it even much more difficult further on because it breaks down also trust in a sense. So my encouragement with families is when you are first to have this communication with the family itself, okay, this could be any any member of the family that's a part of your of your family. It could be obviously biological family, non-biological family, people that are close to this individual and that you're close with. Um, it's to have that conversation collectively together to understand these points. And that's where you start to prepare to be ready for the person that you want to talk to, the loved one, and how you handle that. My other encouragement strongly with families is make the time, make an appointment. You, you know, you don't show up at a doctor's office unless it's an acute emergency issue and just say, hey, doc, I just want to see you and, you know, check in on you. You know, you make an appointment. So my encouragement is treat the same respect with the individuals that we want to communicate with is make the time and say, you know, if, if it's my son, my son's name is, is not John, but let's say my son's name was John and I wanted to have that conversation that was that was important and it was not going to be easy. I would make the time and say, John, I, I have something really important I want to talk to you about. Can you please make time for me um, this afternoon, tomorrow, next Tuesday? You know, obviously the, the sooner is the better. And if it's really important, the more you make it urgent and important to make them, allow them the chance to first process it and then say, okay, you know, yeah, I can meet you with, can, can you give me a couple of hours and we'll sit down. And, and when you have that sit down together, that's where, you know, you turn off the electronics, no phones, no, nothing. it's about going to, into that whole communication cycle in a sense. So always choose your words carefully about what you do and how you say things when you're talking to each other, certainly too, as much. Listen more than you talk is the next point. And this is the uh, concept of that we listen with the intent to understand somebody. We do not listen with the intent to respond. So I'll restate that. Listen with the intent to understand, not to respond. And the takeaway from that is very simple. We have two ears and one mouth, and if we are to use those proportionately in our communication cycles, we will find ourselves listening more than we will be speaking. And the greatest art in communication is the ability to listen, you know, and there are some levels of listening, and we're going to go into that in our next uh, communication topic uh, that we won't be talking about that today, but there are levels of listening, and I can go through that in great detail to explain how they each have a, a process in a sense of that of that learning curve of listening, learning how to listen and understanding the individuals to the point where you get to understand them completely and thoroughly. And at the end of that conversation, when that person is done speaking, they feel that they were understood. They can walk away from that and say, God, you, you heard me, you listened to me, you really understood what I was saying. You could feel it. It's, it's a very, very powerful tool. So, you know, listen with the intent to understand not with the intent to respond, which means you need to listen twice as much as you speak. Okay. Set boundaries. Right off the bat, you're going to need to create some basic boundaries. Now, these could be 
if you're using substances presently, I can't have you intoxicated while we're sitting down to talk because it will just impair the entire conversation. It'll create a wall already that's there and, 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 you know, reinforcing a wall as opposed to creating that pipeline, that, that two-way communication street for it. And it's also very disrespectful for the communication of the, both parties in a sense too. So have these kind of clear guidelines straight ahead, you know, the, the, have those boundaries. And I mentioned before the phones, you know, the, the iPads, the computers, the TV on, the, the noise, the background noise of life has to be shut off because if we're able to really start to listen to understand somebody, going back to the other one, listening to understand, we need to take all of these attention seekers and divert them to another point in time, not for that conversation piece, not for that moment, because you made it an important moment to say, hey, listen, I'm going to make the time for you. You're coming down to meet with me. We're going to spend, you know, an hour, two hours kind of at least getting this process started. And, you know, if you, when you need to get to your phone, you can go to your phone afterwards. So it's very important to set these boundaries. Very, very important. And again, I do emphasize this as anyone who's still actively using addiction and you're a family member trying to make that communication. It has to be very clear that they cannot be intoxicated. Okay. That doesn't mean they didn't use if they're using opioids and they, they had their, their, their fix in the morning and they're not in withdrawal yet, but they're not nodding out on you, but they're coherent they're still going to be somewhat under the influence, but they're not going to be inebriated or intoxicated. So those are, those are situations where you can certainly have workarounds. Okay. The next one is have some belief in them. So one of the greatest uh, feedbacks that I ever get from anyone I've ever worked with who's struggled with addiction is the first thing is that I said, it's almost impossible to get anybody to believe me because I have lied for so long and I've made up so many different stories or mistruths or redirected or misinformation that it's impossible for anyone to believe me. And that is without a doubt, probably one of the hardest things that they struggle with. And I can say that for almost everybody I've worked with in, in all these years, that is just having somebody to believe in them. So right off the bat, when you're creating those boundaries, you could set up a boundary too and say, listen, I'm going to believe what you're telling me unless you prove otherwise right now. Now that doesn't mean, uh, you know, I, I'm going to believe you because you're going to, at the end of this conversation, say, hey, you know, well, I'm going to go get a, you know, a couple of loaves of bread and a pack of cigarettes. Can you give me 20 bucks? You know, uh, again, setting boundaries is understanding the levels of what you're going to participate with or not participate with, but it definitely to create a believing system with them, within them. And they'll start to see that within themselves too, because if you're able to do it, and you start to see that, hey, you know what? I know that you're trying to, to do your best. You're going to certainly have, there may be some deceptions that play along the line, but just give them that chance to start to believe them. Let them prove you wrong. Don't go by past. That's back to the resentment piece. You're not going to go by what they said yesterday or two weeks ago or 10 years ago. It's about today. I'm going to give you this chance today, and, and you're going to be truthful to me because you're telling me that we're making this you know communication pact right now, and that's going to be a big plus. Okay, so please just give them a chance and believe in them. Do not tell people what to do. Don't You do not like being told what to do. I know I have challenges with it. Uh, I, anyone I know has challenges with it. Your goal and role in our program specifically too, and we talk a lot about this in my opioid educational program, is that you are to learn to influence, not to command. And what that means is that what you do in your behaviors and how you interact, and again, the reason for this whole program and even our conversation right now is to improve the communication right now. 
as you build these different levels in your family dynamics, you're going to create a condition where that individual is going to feel a little bit more stronger about the opportunities of potentially getting the help that they need, because you'll also be setting up some very clear boundaries within that parameter too. And we'll be discussing that in some future podcasts as well. So the key is you do not tell somebody what to do. You have to just stop, just stop doing that. You need to go to treatment tomorrow or that's it. Those, those finite ultimatums never work. You know, one of the things that uh, Tiger Resilience does not subscribe to at all, because I've seen some cat very catastrophic failures from it, is the term tough love. This is not about the, you know, the absolute abandonment. This is a kind of a nurturing uh, way to get a win-win with your loved one. So the power is not to tell them what to do. The power is in the influence that you will be able to give them through your success and how you start to change what you're doing right now. And that will make a very big difference. So, you know, focusing on the positive things in their lives too. So it, when they do something right, acknowledge it. Don't wait for the, you know, hey, you, did you screw that up again? Did you, uh, did you forgot to take care of that thing I asked you to take care of? Make more time to give the compliments because our brains are wired to always remember the bad things. And that's just the human condition. We are absolutely wired to, give, whenever I hear something that was wrong, it's like sticks with me all the time. We very rarely get those compliments. And even when we get them, they don't really retain well because we focus on all the negative things. So it's really important to give that focus back to positive feedback. And we'll also be having a conversation about that in one of our other communication uh, podcasts in the near future. So it's a focus on the positive things they're doing, not necessarily the negative ones as well. And, it, and a big piece here is explaining your own feelings too. You need to be open about what's going on and how you feel about that. And one of the best ways to do this is to do when you're having a communication with somebody, somebody is to have I statements. Okay. And I'll restate that. You want to have I statements. I am concerned that you are doing some things that are kind of troubling me. I have a fear that you may be such and such. I have a fear of some things that are happening right now that I don't understand and some of the behaviors that have been, you know, exhibited by you. Uh, my concerns, I am concerned. I have a, a, a question. When you give I statements, it's coming from your heart. It's coming from you as a person who cares for the individual. When you give you statements such as you did that, you're not listening to me, you're... Those are direct commands. And as I mentioned earlier, the minute you start doing those commands, telling somebody what to do and calling them out on it, you are going to create an immediate barrier. So you want to use I statements, not you statements. So it's not you did this. It's that I have a concern about something that just happened. Can you please explain this to me? Um, and again, going back to listening, really to listen with the intent to understand, not to respond to them respect to them, giving them the utmost of respect as a human being, because we're all entitled to that. And in today's day and age, it seems like that's gone by the wayside. I know that there's a lot of people who still feel, as I'm speaking right now, that that's a big piece, is that we have to absolutely be respectful to each other, showing empathy, being genuine about how you are trying to understand this, because that's what you're trying to do. Recovery is hard enough as it is, and stopping what they're doing is going to be one of the greatest challenges that they will ever probably overcome in many ways. So again, showing empathy and being genuine about trying to understand, you know, that this is hard for them. Recovery is not easy. And to never belittle anyone, because they are struggling very much so. Kind words, as we mentioned in the beginning of this topic was, 
you know, to be a kind person, to, to be mutually respectful. They are struggling and there's a lot of things that are in front of them that are going to be a challenge. So it's important to please just understand, to be very kind, as kind as you can. So that's it for our show today. I really appreciate your time. Please understand that these are tools that can be very successful for you, not only with the individual struggling with addiction, but in your general relationships with each other too, uh, both professionally and within your family. It's very important because I truly will st state this from my own personal belief that I think our greatest challenge today in society is that it can come down to every single problem can come down to one word and it is communication or lack thereof in a sense. So I hope you get something from this. We do have our next few series that's going to be discussing more about communication and we're going to get into some much more greater details, including listening skills and understanding the, uh, the process of building and setting up uh, parameters, meaning barriers, as well as setting up those accountability pieces too, as we go forward. So I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with you again today. Please uh, check out our program, tiger-resilience.com, because we do have a great program for understanding opioid addiction. If you'd like to learn more, we have a lot of different things on our website. We are on social media where you can learn a lot of stuff. We put a lot of content out there for free, and you can certainly gain a lot of insight from this because the tool is, at the end of the day, you will be that person who will be successful because your family will be reunited and will be empowered again, and that will influence the individual struggling with that addiction. So once again, thank you so much for listening in on our show, and we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you for listening to Tiger Resilience Podcast. For more information, please visit us at our website at tiger-resilience.com. If you found value in this show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. This is Tiger Resilience, addiction solutions for reaching human potential.